Hi everyone, my name is Luke Lawal, and this is another episode of President's Corner. I'm so excited today because we have another wonderful HBC president for you today, President Adams Gaskin from Norfolk State University. And we're here today. Are you there? I'm here. Thank you so much for having me. How are you feeling today? I am feeling wonderful. It's uh, the sun has come back out in Norfolk, and that is so helpful. It's a wonderful day. Yeah, I'm here in our Washington D.C. office, and it's cold. <laughs> like I, you know, I had to travel from LA, and we're here. I had a bunch of meetings this week, and it's it's freezing. <laughs> um, and the East Coast is just different. It's just it's completely. So tell me a little bit about you. Like, how did you get into your role? And tell me what's going on at Norfolk. I'm really pleased to be here. It's an honor to be the president of Norfolk State University, and I've been here about 18 months now. And um, it's just a wonderful place, full of rich history, diversity a really good sense of um, folks knowing who they are and um, sort of why we exist as a, the largest HBCU in Virginia. And so um, I came here most recently from the Ohio State University where I was senior vice president for student life and I've been there 10 years and before that, I was at uh, University of Maryland, College Park for over 20 years. And so I've had lots of experience and Lots of family who have been in the HBCU world, including uh, my sister, who is a faculty member at Howard University, my uh, mother, um, my aunts, and my son, who was at Morehouse, and my um, aunt, who is a graduate of Norfolk State University. And since I've been here, I've found many family members who are graduates of Norfolk State University. So I'm so very proud of them. Oh, that's amazing. And so when you when you came into your role in Norfolk, tell me about the experience when you when you first stepped on the campus. Tell me about campus life at Norfolk State. You know, uh, they do things right around here. So my very first experience when I was being uh, announced was a um, ceremony that included all the faculty and staff and many students and our board of visitors, who are the people who, of course, hired me were sitting behind me on the stage and their symbolism was, we've got your back. We're here with and for you. And that's the teaming that as a president, you really want to have with your board. Um, and it was wonderful because the uh, former president who was outgoing was there also. And um, people got to applaud him, the work that he did in his interim role. And they were so, so very supportive of me as I began my journey with Norfolk State University. So, so many ways in which the rich tradition is symbolized and the support of this community is symbolized. That's amazing. And I know it's tough with everything going on with COVID. I know, you know, as a president, uh, the best thing to do is like connect with your staff, your team. And I know you guys are doing that virtually sometimes and uh, this COVID era has been tough. So. Can you give us a little bit more about your personal background? Like what, what makes you happy? Like what, how do you indulge yourself during the day? So there are a couple of things. Um, so first and foremost is every day I start my day with prayer and meditation and that really centers me. And so all the things that might give me anxiety or might make me um, concerned or worried sort of get um, damped down because I really begin to think about what is the journey and what's most important? And of course, for me, 
in this journey. I'm here because I think we have an opportunity and a way to help our young African-American students and any students who want to participate in this um, environment to soar. And so really, I'm, I'm sort of laser focused on students and their success and utilizing the incredible skills of our faculty, our staff, our administrators to get us there. What gives me uh, joy and, and the opportunity to just sort of relax, I love reading. And I um, have, because of COVID, learned to really like binge watching shows on Netflix. Oh, really? Yeah, I love Netflix. What are you watching? So right now I'm watching The Underground, or Underground it's called. And apparently this was a series uh, from 2016, but I, I don't know how I missed it. Um, so my husband and I, when, we, um, when we're finished with working and we're just you know sort of hanging out or we may have a Saturday afternoon, we might watch two or three episodes at a time. So I'm really yeah, enjoying I it. Underground. I don't think I've caught Underground. You definitely want to see it. It's a great series about uh, African-Americans during uh, slavery and, and really removing themselves from slavery and what it took for folks to do that in the fight. There's a little piece on Harriet Tubman in there also, but lots and lots of um, those kind of experiences. I also was watching the um, series that Pharrell Williams's uncle did, and that was, and I can't think of the name of it, but it was a competition for people to get to join this choir, a gospel choir. It was amazing. If you get a chance, I'll get make sure I get you the name of that, but it was awesome, awesome. And definitely got to catch some of those out. So I got another question for you. Tell me a moment at Norfolk State that you will never forget. You know, I got to experience homecoming this year. And, you know, people can tell you about what homecoming is, but experiencing it was really different. First off, we do a, a parade right around the campus, but outside the campus walls. And I was stunned at how many people lined up. I mean, it was like a parade in Washington, D.C., where I grew up, where people were lined up to watch the band and, and the um, individuals that we brought in that got to participate. And then just the, the, the um, beat of the campus as people were coming back and you get to interact with the alums and the current students and people who are just interested and love this institution. It was our largest, I'm told, it was our largest uh, homecoming in many, many years. And so it really um, impacted my heart and reminded me how important NSU is, not only to those of us who are within the walls, but outside of the walls of this community. And we have a debt that we have to pay to our community because of that. Wow. I mean, homecoming did it for me. The first homecoming I ever went to, um, I think my mom attended Howard University and I was probably like six years old and I was just walking around. I was just like, mom, there's just a lot of black people. And I'm just like, you know, and just people just happy to see you and just like indulging you like just and when they see kids they're so excited and they're just like you know the spirit is just up so i i definitely understand that yeah. um one more question about you i know i'm digging into your personal background but tell me your idea of a perfect day Whew. so here's what a perfect day would look like um 
you know, I get up early, I do a prayer meditation, I come to work, I just, I literally live across the street from my office because I live in the university house. And um, I spend my day with people who really care about this community. And I get to, often I get some interaction with students. Those are wonderful days. Um, and, you know, in, in real life, I might not leave here till 9.30 at night, but in my perfect life, I would leave here by 6, 6.30 and I'd go home and my husband and I would spend some time in front of the fireplace just talking and relaxing. And then we probably do some reading, both of us. He likes to play chess, so he does a lot of chess playing. And um, then we would probably just you know, retire for the night. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about COVID. Um, I know it's impacted everybody's dealing with it. I'm dealing with it. The world is dealing with it. So tell me how Norfolk State is dealing with it. So as with all institutions, none of us were really prepared for COVID-19. Um, it sort of came and hit by storm. I had the privilege of being a co-chair for H1N1 when that was an issue at The Ohio State University. So myself and the director of um, the medical center were co-chairs for H1N1. So I learned a lot about how you respond to particularly viruses and, 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 and well, at that time it just was meant to be an epidemic and how do you prepare? So I, I really felt like I wasn't, you know, totally lost, but I knew that we had to assemble our team and make sure that we had all the right players involved to help us work through. So if you recall, that was uh, about the second week of March of 2019, 2020. Wow, this is 2021, yeah. Yeah, no. It's been like this year so long. Like I used to tell a joke to my friends that today is like December 55. Right, right. <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> so, um, we, I have a wonderful chief of police, Chief Moore, and a wonderful head of our health service, um, Dr. Blow, who were really on top of paying attention to this and prepping us. So before we needed to tell students that they couldn't come back, they had been watching this since before February, really paying attention. And then we uh, created a task force, a group across the campus to, to help us think about all of the uh, processes and issues that we would need. And of course, we had to send students home. And we had to convert, you know, really pivot on the dime to from um, in-person to online um, classes. And that was for the spring of 2020. By the fall of 2020, we had helped our faculty retool so they knew more about what to do in terms of um, making sure they were ready to teach online and making some choices about how we were going to deliver the uh, support in the classes to our students. So we have four modalities. One is in person, one is remote, which means you, you would have the same time of class and you just come to class online. One is a hybrid where you have some remote, some in person, and one is totally online where you just decide when you want to click in to the classroom uh, or the, um, the um, instruction. So we allowed our faculty to make decisions about what they wanted to do. And I was very pleased in the fall, we had almost an even distribution of, of classes in those four modalities. Um, and then for the 
spring, we have um, about half and half with uh, hybrid and and in-person, less in-person than we had previously. And then we have the remote and the um, online. So those kind of things were important. But what also was really important, and this was a stretch for many schools, was the testing. Because we had students come back to campus in the fall, they're back here in the spring, and that was going to be predicated on us being able to do a good, solid testing program. And we uh, partnered with Thermal Fisher Scientific, who provided free testing materials for all uh, for a set of HBCUs. And so, and they also uh, provided the stand-up of labs at schools that had uh, the CLIA certification for labs. And ours was Howard University and currently is Hampton University. But we really were in the first wave of those helping Howard to really figure out how do you do this with having other institutions um, and need the, the testing and the turnaround time, which is so quick with the PCRs. But we did it and we were highly successful. And I really give a lot of credence to our students who did essentially what we asked them to do. They wore their masks, they washed their hands, and they were socially distant. But just a, a sort of a funny aside, uh, especially in the spring, my husband and I would walk the campus in the evenings because, you know, the sun goes down pretty late. And, you know, 7, 6, 30, 7 o'clock, we'd walk the campus, maybe 8. And uh, we'd see students, and I'd always say, now, mask up, make sure it's over your nose and under your chin. And I said, you know, at some point they're going to say, you know, that president is something. She goes out all over town watching us with our masks. But they were so positively responsive to me. So I really appreciated them. I just wanted to remind them that, and I would say to them, we're all in this together. We want to stay here and want to protect each other. And they just were wonderful in their response to that. Yeah, HBCU campuses have always been whole for a lot of the students. So I can understand everyone wanting to protect their home and wanting to move forward. And, and that brings me to my next question. How do you guys plan to move forward, especially with the vaccines? Are you a fan of the vaccines? And what um, measures have you guys put in place to prepare for that? Sure. So right now we're um, going through the process of becoming a vaccine site. And, you know, it's a uh, federal process. And so we're working on that. And we think we will become a vaccine site. I think, and I would really give this message to our community, we need to take the vaccine. And as soon as I am able to, I will take the vaccine because we have lost so many people in the Black community to COVID. And it has been um, disproportional in the Black and Brown communities. And so this is the thing that we have at this time to help us move forward. And I was just looking at something this morning on the news that suggested that for the vaccines right now, 60% of the individual, 60% of um, the individuals who've gotten, gotten vaccines have been white and 5% have been black. We have to do better. We have to help our community know that they need to get the vaccine they deserve to live. And so I am a big proponent and really interested in doing whatever service I can do in the community to help people get the vaccine. And one of those things we think is being a vaccine site 
we will be a vaccine site both for our internal uh, community, but also the community that's around us um, and, and the community that will find it difficult to get to other vaccine sites. We can help them get to the vaccine sites. We're also looking at maybe a mobile unit in conjunction with some of our partners in the city to um, do that outreach. That's amazing. I'm, I think for me, I'm definitely going to take it as soon as I can. I feel like it's my duty, my team's duty. I want to be safe amongst my the rest of my team. So I, I, I'm, I'm happy that you're encouraging that, and I'm happy that you guys are creating a space for that on campus and off campus. Um, I think I want to switch gears a little bit, and, and I know um, you guys have been working on your endowment, and as of recent, you guys have received a large sum of money, a large donation, and it's from an individual. Actually, I don't want to bring her up. I'm going to let you talk about it. Um, so tell me about it. So we have been honored to have been awarded a, a $40 million donation from Mackenzie Scott who really has done a great job of looking across the nation at uh, institutions where the leadership is such that they can trust that the, the money will go to important endeavors to change the trajectory of a university or an organization. She started with 6,400 organizations that they looked at and they came down to just about over, I think, 352 that they actually gave money to. And really what she was looking for is leadership and a sense of direction. And I had some conversations with her folks, and I was just um, really pleased and stunned that we received that level of support. Um, and I think among HBCUs, there are about 23 out of the 102 that received um support over the time period that she's been uh, awarding that money. What I will tell you is a gift like this is transformational because what you're thinking about is not just today, but you're thinking about what about the future of the institution? We're 85 years of NSU being uh, an institution of higher education, uh, HBCU for uh, in individuals. What this does is lets us make this the HBCU of the future. It gives us that beginning support that we need. And, and we're going to grow that support because that's important. But we're also going to do some things that help our students because we know we have high need and we're trying to really work through that. We know that we want to do transformational um, changes for the institution. And we're engaging our faculty and our staff and our administrators in what will change this institution in a way that will be life changing, but lasting. So we are so excited for this gift. That's amazing. Um, let me ask you this. I know we mentioned about a capital program um, with from the gift. So can you talk about that a little bit? So we were planning a capital campaign as we were uh, also finding out that we were getting this gift. So this gift is a wonderful um, sort of bright light to people to see this is a place you want to give to. And the capital campaign, we've been doing our review and we've been working towards uh, what uh, the campaign really will be. And we're just in the beginning set steps and we'll probably be starting that campaign um, in, the, in the fall. 
And so we're really excited about that. And we've not done a campaign in many, many years. And so we have big goals. We haven't set the exact number yet, so I don't want to say, but, you know, the 40 million helps us really think about what's a good number. All right. Um, so I'm going to switch gears a little bit. And this is when we can just literally talk about the university. Um, for me, um, I've been to the university several times. I came to the last homecoming, I want to say. Last time I went to you guys' homecoming was in 2019. I mean, 2017. I'm a me member of Omega Sci-Fi fraternity, so I got to hang out with the brothers on campus. Um, it was definitely like a... a, a uh, uplifting experience. Um, it was definitely fun. Um, so I just want to know more about w what new initiatives you guys have on campus and what do you want um, our fans to know that they might not necessarily know about Norfolk State? So Norfolk State, as I said, is the largest HBCU in Virginia. And we're really focused on a few things. Student success uh, is our main goal. We want our students to come here to be successful, to come here, study something that they're really interested in, because the thing that they're interested in is what they're gonna do best at. Right. And then we want them to leave here either to go to graduate or professional school or to go to the world of work, prepared for what we call first day ready. Wherever they're going, they need to know that they are well prepared and that they are ready to hit the ground running. So that's really important. And we've got wonderful faculty and wonderful staff and administrators who are really committed to the students and committed to their success. Um, we're really working on our institutional alignment to make sure that all of the things that we are planning, the things that we have in our strategic plan, our pillars, all of those things are um, synced in a good way. And then um, our professional development of our faculty and staff, our um, fundraising and endowment growth um, and our engagement with external partnerships. We're not just the university behind Ivy Tower. We are really the university of the community, both here in Norfolk and Hampton Roads and across the Commonwealth of Virginia. We, met, we care what happens in the uh, state and the nation matter and we are good stewards of success. Amazing. I'm just listening to you. Sorry, I, I'm slow to respond. I'm just like, wow. Um, my, my next question is a little bit about diversity. I know you've uh, uh, been a part of faculty at uh, several different colleges. So there, when HBCU students or Black African-American high school students are getting ready to go to college, the first troubles they face is trying to make sure they go to a school with diversity. And I've always mentioned that diversity doesn't necessarily mean race. It could mean, you know, your background, your upbringing, where you come from, um, and things like that. So can you tell me a little bit about the campus life at Norfolk State and how it's diverse and how any prospective student that's looking to attend Norfolk State, what should they expect? That's an easy one. Uh, Norfolk State is a great education, first and foremost. You're going to be with faculty who are uh, leaders in their fields and who care about the student and the student experience. And they, they will reach out to you and encourage you to spend time with them. And we know from the research that as students are able to spend time with faculty, they are much more likely to be successful. So that's one piece. But, but then 
the education doesn't just help, uh, doesn't just um, happen in the classroom. It is also the education outside of the classroom. It really is the experience, the experiential learning that students have from their leadership positions, from being in organizations, from being in fraternities and sororities, from being um, a part of this, the system. We have a wonderful theater arts uh, program. So our band, our um, theater company, our choirs, all of those teach our students not only the, um, the, tr the trade of the um, band or the, the uh, choir or the theater, it teaches them how to think, how to think critically, how to make decisions, how to plan, how to manage their time. We are the largest HBCU in Virginia. And as such, we are a place that people want to be. There's excitement. There's uh, the opportunity for students to get engaged in research and in internships. We're really, really telling our students and pushing our students so that our goal is every student will have an internship before they leave here. And, and companies are coming to us and saying, we'd love to have your students intern with us. We've got wonderful opportunities for students to do that. And what really matters is that there's excellence, we produce excellence, and we um, support individuals while they develop their excellence. That's amazing. That's awesome. I mean, that's amazing. Hopefully I get another chance to get a run at school. <laughs> I'm thinking Please about going back to my master's. Um, so I can definitely come back and uh, yes. check you guys out. Um, I got a couple more questions about you personally, just because I know I'm getting yelled at over here. They're like, can you ask more questions about your personality? So um, <laughs> here's my question to you. What is what are you listening to right now? Give me give me your top three songs on your playlist. Oh, okay. Let's see. Um, the Kirk Franklin song. Um, we need a what is how's it go? We need a strong God. Um, I, I can't think of the name of it. I'm terrible with names of songs. <laughs> <laughs> um. But it's the one that starts Mayday, Mayday. Okay. Uh, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yes. <laughs> um, and then I would say I really, really love um, some of the Aretha Franklin. So um, some of them, and I, there are several of those, but I would say probably one of my favorite of hers is, um, oh gosh, which one would I say? Um, oh, I'm, I'm struggling right now. But I'm just trying to go <laughs> it's all right. One of her songs. Let me let me, uh, let me go back to that, and, and I'll come back to that. And go ahead. Uh -huh. The next person I want to know is, what are you reading? So I've been reading two books. I've been reading Mackenzie Scott's book, um, which is really a good one. Um, it's a, it's a um, it's a um, fiction book, and it's she's a right, really great writer. And then I have been reading uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates' book, um, Water Dancer, and that's a, a what I call a dense read. He's really a great writer, but you you, you get so in, immersed in it, it takes a long time because you're so immersed in the book. That's amazing. Um, I'm 
reading HBC Buzz every day. <laughs> she was like, what are you reading? I'm like, I'm reading HBC Buzz every day. Um, tell me about the different opportunities at Norfolk State. Yes. Uh, we're really excited about the opportunities at Norfolk State as they are developing. Um, and we've had many, many uh, relationships that have come up that we're really just very excited about. Uh, the Netflix to you um, opportunity where Netflix, and actually it was one of our alums who is an engineer at Netflix who said, uh, Norfolk State would be a great place for you to uh, you know, work on having these individuals, diverse individuals have the opportunity to, to be engaged in the technology. And so um, they're engaged and it's a wonderful program and I'm very excited about what they're doing. Um, the um, Apple Connected um, connected campus, the C2 program that we're a part of, which is very exciting where students are learning coding. And as you know, that's the future. People really are going to need, no matter what their area, are going to need to know coding. And so we've got some really rock star faculty who are engaged in that. Dr. Felicia Bowswell, Dr. Cynthia Nicholson, Dr. Thomas, uh, I'm sorry, Thorma Humphreys, and Dr. Aurelia Williams, who really have made that go. But that's true of our programs across the university. Our faculty are deeply engaged. And then we're really engaged with the Pharrell Williams um, Black Ambition Program. And you may know that he has uh, set aside $250,000 prize for HBCU students who can come up with an entrepreneurial um, uh, offering with a team. And they have to have someone who is a current, a current student at the HBCU a former student of the HBCU and an alum of the HBCU along with other members of the team. So these are the kind of opportunities that are coming up that are just happening um, at HBCUs and at Norfolk State University. We've become a place where people are looking at us and saying, we want to be, we want to engage with you, we want to engage with your students, and we want to um, promote what you do in terms of the excellence that you provide. Amazing. Okay, um, now I just want to talk a little bit about your legacy at Norfolk State and what impact you hope to leave with the campus. So tell me a little bit about your legacy. Tell me what you want people to gain from this video and your presence at Norfolk State. When my husband and I decided that we would come to Norfolk State University, um, we came here because we thought it would be a privilege for us to be here and to have the opportunity to lead an institution to the next phase of what a North, what, the, what an HBCU could be in a 21st century. So what I'm really looking for is a long lasting sense in our community that we contribute greatly to the world of knowledge and to the world of uh, ideas as well as specific opportunities to interact and to engage with the world and the community. I believe the HBCU of the 21st century can't afford to be separated from the community or from the world, that we are citizens of the world and we're growing and developing people who are ready to go into the world knowing who they are and who they want to be in the world. And that's what we are spending our time on. And so my sense, if you talk about legacy, is 
really what have I given to the community to help it become all that it can be. And what I think I'm really good at is relationship building and seeing the best in people and helping them to grow that and to, and to develop that. And that can be students, it's faculty, it's staff. COVID's made it a little more difficult because we're not around each other as much. But as we move out of the COVID phase, it really will be the relationship building that helps an institution get stronger and better and looking at transformational opportunities and not being afraid to leap and do those kind of things, to, to have the vision and the courage to do new things. It's amazing. Well, I'm sorry, I, I keep falling blank. I feel like I'm at church and you're just preaching to me right now. Um, these are just wonderful points to me. Uh, thank you for your time. Thank you for joining this conversation. Um, I appreciate you, Dr. Adams. Um, it's been a pleasure. It has been fun. Thank you so much for making it so easy, Luke. I really appreciate that.